Welcome to the Kindness Podcast. I'm Nicole Phillips. Everyone's owned a cookbook or flipped through a magazine offering party planning advice, but have you read one that also talks about being a welcoming and kind host? Speaker and retreat leader Sue Donaldson has a book called Come to My Table, which explores the gospel of hospitality. Sue, I want to start by letting everybody know that how we met. So you and I met online before heading to a women's writing and speaking retreat, and you were doing an act of kindness. You were giving away copies of your book, and um, your book is about hospitality, and it's called Come to My Table, and I suffer from a terrible case of hermatitis. I am an absolute hermit in my house, kind outside of my house, but in my house, I am a bit of a hermit. So uh, I went out and and bought your book because I didn't want to wait to see if I would win it or not because I knew I needed it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I didn't know that. Yes, it's the truth, because I, I always complain about how I cannot cook. Um, in that book, you have a lot of encouragement for people like me who just think it's not the right time to be hospitable. Kind, yes, but hospitable, maybe not. What are some of the reasons that you hear from people who say, nah, I don't really like to have people in my home? Well, when I speak on it, I've come up with 17 reasons, but I'll just give you the top three. Um, The first one, I think, is that I wasn't raised that way. Therefore, Mm -hmm. I can't do it. Another one is uh, time. I'm too busy. I have too many children. I have too much work to do. I'm too tired when I get home. And the third one, interestingly enough, is the cooking thing which you talk about, and it's kind of funny to me because, you know, we have Costco and Trader Joe's and pizza places, but that really does hinder women. They feel, or men, and they feel like, well, I can't cook, and that's what hospitality is. That's So they have this wrong idea of what hospitality is, but they also are in fear of messing up. Yeah, absolutely that makes sense to me because I would – one, two, three, boom, boom, boom. Yes, those are those are my great excuses. But let's focus on what do you think hospitality is? What's your definition of that if you think people who say they can't cook are kind of getting it wrong? It just came to me in my quiet time that hospitality is extending oneself for the sake of another. And it's extending yourself through your home. Mm. And um, I would say that Almost everyone that I speak to, probably everyone that I actually speak to, has a home, whether it's an apartment or flat, or they have a table, whether it's a coffee table or a desk Mm -hmm. or a couch. And so um, we use the excuse that our home is not good enough. We are not good enough. And so hospitality then becomes self-focused. And hospitality is other-focused. Entertaining can be self-focused. I mean, my mom would say, oh, I'm, I, I can't entertain like so-and-so because I don't have a maid mm. or I don't cook like that. And so that's entertaining. Entertaining is often to impress another person. Not always. And I love being entertained. I love going into a home. Mm-hmm. But that will hold you up if you say, well, that's hospitality because I am not a good cook. I mean, I've had someone near and dear to me say, oh, this was a disaster. And I go, why? And she goes, because there were not enough blueberries in the salad. And so there, the artistic blue wasn't, I'm going, what? You know, <laughs> I didn't notice that. 
But so that's entertaining. Hospitality is focusing. What are the guest needs? When they come in my home, do they need just to pour out their hearts at my table with a glass of water? Do they need to spend the night? Do they need to have uh, soup? My sister is fond of saying almost anybody can serve a bowl of ice cream. And, and, you know, Nicole, I speak on this all the time, but in my heart, I go, oh, no, I want to do something more than that. Right. You know, and if I want to do something more than that when I can't, when I don't have the money, when I don't have the time, that's pride. You know what I'm saying? Mm, yeah. If you can think of humility equals hospitality. I just made that up, by the way. I should write another book. Write it down. Write it down um, quick. <laughs> no, I'll just listen to you and whenever. But um, it, it takes true humility to offer what you have when you feel like what you have is not enough. Does that make sense? Totally. It seems to me now you've just kind of solidified this in my brain that, that entertaining is more about airs. And it can be, you know, in a loving, great way as well. But, you know, it's in, in hospitality definitely has that other focused humility to it. So, okay, I get that. Now, in your book, you, in this thing, stuck with me. So I want to talk about those three top reasons, but let's start backwards. Let's start with cooking, because the one thing in your book that I was like, oh, that totally spoke to me, was you suggested, if you don't like to put, cook, put out a bowl of popcorn for people. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that's so true. A good friend of mine who was actually a great cook would have popcorn Thursday nights, and... Uh, so we would always come to our house to watch the Cosby show or something and and eat the popcorns right there already popped on our table. Another friend of ours, she, he was a, one of our pastors, and every Sunday night they served popcorn after church. And I, did, I thought, wow, um, that is so simple, mm-hmm. you know. And what you're doing is you're offering hospitality, something that's warm and tasty that everybody can do, and you're not putting on airs, as you just said. You know, I felt like and, you gave me permission to though yeah. to not serve oh, a spread, right? And also, when you wrote, you know, you wrote for me a beautiful piece um, on my series on every table tells a story, and I just love to tell your story because when I asked you to write about hospitality for my blog, you said, "Oh no, I don't cook," and I said <laughs> to you, "I don't know if you recall, God does not say in the Bible." be a good cook. He just says, be hospitable. So there, you know, I, <laughs> yeah. I back at you and you wrote the most beautiful piece about inviting someone over who was recently widowed, I believe. And, um, she just needed to come over and listen to your story and you needed to hear her story and you serve takeout pizza. Right. That is such a great thing of hospitality. And I mean, I think pizza is expensive. So I would say, well, I'll make popcorn, you know, it just right. depends on where you're at. Does that help? Yeah, absolutely. And, and um, uh, yeah, I'm glad you reminded me of that because I didn't know when I invited her over what she needed, if she needed anything. We have boys the same age, and I thought, well, you know, my husband's gone, and I know um, her husband had, had died. And so I thought, well, you know, we're just kind of two single women for the night with our boys, so let's just have everybody over, and I'll order some pizza. And I never really thought of that as hospitality, until it was over. And when it was over, I realized, wow, this was just a woman who needed a place to go and, and exhale for a moment. And, yeah. Nicole, you a good point here, too, that you didn't know. You didn't know. God knew, though. Mm-hmm. And this kind of makes me cry because I think, gosh, 
we don't know who needs our invitation. Um, even though you weren't obeying for like big spiritual reason, you were just doing how you felt led. That's what hospitality is. When you walk into a room, instead of thinking, wow, I wonder what people are thinking of me and where should I sit and how do I feel comfortable? To walk into a room with what I call a hospitality antenna. Well, and, and I deal with social anxiety. So I think now that you're saying this, I could be hospitable in other people's homes as well. Because when you go into a party or a graduation party or something like that, for me, that drives me nuts. It drives me crazy. My whole insides are like, get me out of here. I do not want to talk to these people. I don't even know them, um, which is very counter counter to how I am normally. Um, so people never believe that about me, that I have this super high level of anxiety. But the one thing that has helped me a lot is walking into a room of a party and looking for the person who looks more uncomfortable than me. There we go. And walking over to that person and saying hi and and making and, and talking to that person. But I guess that's extending hospitality, but not even in our own home. So you can be a walking, uh, a walking vessel for hospitality. <laughs> Absolutely. I know my daughter um, was going to be spending time with people she didn't know that well over Thanksgiving, and I, she gets anxious as well. And I said, well, they've, they've had a death in the family. They need another daughter. You look at it as being a blessing to them. And I think that really helped her. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we're going to go back and talk about those three things. The first thing we talked about was cooking. So you've given us permission to serve yes. anything that we can find in our pantry or order or serve a glass of water and just leave it at that. And can I just add a fun story? Yes. My daughter brought some guys in from USC who are on a water polo team. And this, I, at last minute, so I ended up picking up already cooked deli chickens. But it wasn't even from Costco where they're so robust. It was just the local store across the street. And this fellow during dinner said, this is the best meal I've ever had. And I thought, oh, man, this boy is pathetic. What kind of mother does he have? This is the best meal. But you know what? It didn't matter. You know, and I did find out about a little bit about his upbringing afterwards, which opened up a, a uh, you know, it just was such a blessing. I served what I had and he was blessed. So go and on. it's enough. About. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, another yeah. excuse that you say people come up with is time. I don't have enough time. What's your rebuttal to that? Well, I think that um, that's a legitimate thing. When I started back to work, I thought, wow, no wonder people don't want to have company. It's too tiring. I think you have to put it on the calendar. I think I don't think God says in the Bible, be hospitable when you feel like it. I don't think he says, be hospitable uh, when you have enough energy. But he just says, be hospitable. So I think uh, putting on our antenna, like I mentioned before, makes it so that you're ready to invite someone over at the drop of a hat. That's one way. Another way is putting it on the calendar. So when we were first married, my husband's an introvert. He made, His family maybe had company. One time, his whole growing up, we had company every Sunday. So it was kind of a big adjustment. It continues to be after 30 years. And uh, I said to him, Mark, we need to have so-and-so over and so-and-so over and so-and-so over. And he said, no, 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 no. We can't have the whole world over. And I thought, well, why not? You know, but we <laughs> couldn't. And so, um, so I said, how about once a month? And that made it easier for him. And I think we need to honor our spouses and our family schedule and our own energy level. But if we say the first Sunday of every month, we're going to have somebody over after church. Let's ask who that person is. Let's ask God. Let's ask our children. Who do they want to have over? You know, they can be a great help in that. What a great idea help? to put them in in charge of who might come over as well. Yeah. 
They're more exactly. invested. Mm-hmm. We have a um, open house during the holidays, and and it helps that these ki- my kids have their friends over, and then I get to know the parents. Yeah, yeah. So do you think it's fair? Because I really, by 5.30, 6 o'clock at night, let's say 6 o'clock, I kind of feel like I'm done for the day. Is it uh-huh. is it okay to honor that and to say, yep, during the week at 6 o'clock, I am going to put my pajamas on and be done with it. But on, I know I have energy on Sunday afternoon, so that's when I'm going to uh-huh. carve out time. Or do you yeah. feel like we need to stretch ourselves? Well, we always need to stretch ourselves, especially if God is telling us to do something. Mm-hmm. So I'm not telling anybody how to do it. I'm just giving them suggestions on how they could do it and how they could get over themselves, maybe. Mm-hmm. My girlfriend has college students over every Sunday night, and I have found that that's a good time for our family rather than Sunday noon. When I had small children, I thought to myself, how did my mom have company every Sunday after church? Because the kids need a nap. You're tired. Your husband doesn't want to talk to anybody if he's already talked to someone at church. <laughs> so I changed things from the way my mother did it. I've also asked my husband, what, what night is best for you, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday? And he'll often say Saturday night. Friday night, he's done. It's a, like a week. It's a weekday. Right. And uh, so totally get in your jammies. In fact, even have a jammy party. But, um, but totally work around who you are because God knows that. He made you that way, Nicole. So it's not a guilt thing. It's just figuring out what's best for you and for your family, but not use it as an excuse for the next 100 days. Okay. So the first excuse that you had talked about uh, earlier in this interview was that people would say, I wasn't raised that way. And it sounds like that was kind of your husband, but then he married you and you were raised that way. So what if you've got a couple or just an individual who wasn't raised that way? Then what? Well, I think number one is that you stop using it as an excuse Mm -hmm. because we also weren't raised to be kind and God had to teach us to be kind and um, and so I think the best thing is to get a friend this is just a practical thing to get a friend to do it alongside of you oh. especially if you're a mom of young children and you feel embarrassed because there's sticky Cheerios on the floor and there's laundry on the couch uh, and you're tired so you ask a girlfriend who also has small children or even an older friend whose kids are gone they were they are delighted to come alongside of you and even fold that laundry and I have found that when I, when my kids were little, I would have to have people over because I was lonely, but I would bring over a couple girlfriends who knew how to make conversation. So they were busy making conversation with the other people at the table while I was getting the coffee rate ready or cleaning up the mess. So I would say, get a friend and do it with that friend. And the second thing is, um, Nicole, when you first would walk into a party, you would feel uncomfortable, but the more often you'd walk into that same party, your anxiety level would go down because you practiced it. Mm. So when you say practicing hospitality, I mean, it's safer than practicing medicine, right? If you practice medicine. (laughs) But if you practice hospitality and you mess up and you realize that you are okay with it, it's such a blessing to go ahead and try it again the next time. And it gives you strength. When I started speaking, I was scared to death. But I've been doing it for over 20 years now. And I'm not so scared. I always rely on the Lord, but I'm not so scared. And it's because of practice. It's such a practical thing. So. Mm-hmm. 
the um, the idea of having a friend come alongside of you is pretty powerful to me. And I, I have one friend, Teresa is her name, and and she is the one that I rely on. If I know I'm going someplace and Teresa's going to be there, I am immediately calm about it because I know Teresa will help me remember everyone's names. She will come alongside of me and whisper to me, remember you talked to them about, you know, the wife has breast cancer. And, you know, she'll, she reminds me of these things that I should remember on my own, but I freeze. And, uh, and it's, it is important, I think, to be able to identify those people in your life. Um, and, and even for having, um, Let's say God has put a family on your heart and you know that you can get to be- get to know them better at your table. There's just something about being in a home, even better than a restaurant, because of the noise level. And uh, But you're intimidated or you feel insecure about it. Ask, ask Teresa and her family to join you. And I call these anchor families. When we have bigger parties, I really try to make sure two or three anchor families are also coming because they make sure that the people who are a little, you know, more awkward, because we do have awkward people in our lives, but they still need to be invited. Right. And so when we had this homeless man over, you know, I let I walked around the party and I said, would you go talk to Doug now? No one's talking to him. And they would. Or I'd go up to someone else. I go, I just found out he speaks French. You speak French. Would you go talk to him? And so it just helps me when I know I have people like that that I can depend on. Super advice. Sue, what do you think are the benefits to us for breaking out of our shells, for for putting away those excuses and just opening up our home and inviting people to our table? Oh, there's so many benefits. Um, There's so much joy in seeing someone light up when they get an invitation. Uh, often people would just like to be invited, even if they can't come over. Sometimes I'm relieved when they can't come over because I'm too tired anyway. (laughs) Um, I have made so many unexpected friends. I did hospitality. I was single till I was 35. So I did hospitality because I was lonely Mm. and people were not inviting me over. They must've thought I had this exciting single life. So I just invited people over on Saturday morning brunches because food is cheaper for breakfast. And I was, I didn't want, didn't make a lot of money and I could read a recipe. You know, if you can read, you can cook. And, um, and so I made all these girlfriends who are older, wiser women and they became my mentors. By the time I left that church, when I started having brunches, I left after four years, I had six different older women who would meet me at the drop of a hat. So that all came from me inviting them over first. Mm, beautiful. Any other um, personal stories of kindness that you want to share with us before we go? Do you have a favorite? Uh, yeah, I have a favorite. Um, there was this single mom who would come in the store where I worked, and um, we got to know her. And every time she would come up to the cash register, she would cry about something. So we knew she was very tenderhearted. Well, it came up to the holidays, and I said, well, what are you doing for um, – Thanksgiving, and she said, well, it's the first time she won't have her children with her because they're going to be with with her ex-husband. So I invited her, and and she came, and she told me later that she'd never had such a good Thanksgiving. Now, I'm not bragging. I'm just saying I was shocked to hear her say that. Mm -hmm. But she had such a good time, but she didn't really want to come. It took a lot of courage for her to come. So important to open our tables. Thank you, Sue, so much for talking with me today. I really appreciate it. It's been a delight. Thank you, Nicole. 
That was a conversation with Sue Donaldson. Learn more about Sue's book, Come to My Table, at welcomeheart.com. Thanks for listening to The Kindness Podcast. It's produced by WOUB Public Media and relies heavily on the kindness of engineer Adam Rich and intern Madeline Peck. I'm Nicole Phillips. We hope you'll subscribe to The Kindness Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or the NPR One app. And find us on social media at Kindness Podcast. If you like the show, we'd love it if you'd spread some kindness in the review section. 